We better now? All right, there we go. I knew I was going to forget something. I was trying to get everything just right so I didn't mess anything up. And leave it to me, I'll mess something up. Amen? John chapter number 6 tonight. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, I'm looking forward to having Pastor back on Sunday. I'm telling you what, and I'm looking forward. Obviously, he'll be back later tonight. But uh, I'm looking forward to being in church on Sunday with him back. I appreciate the opportunity to preach in his absence. uh, But I look forward to having him back with us soon. Amen? John chapter number 6, very familiar passage of Scripture here that we'll be looking at tonight. And as I was praying about what the Lord would give us, uh, have us give tonight, uh, I, I, love the, I love the whole Bible, obviously, but I love the book of John. I enjoy reading the book of John and spending time in the book of John. And, uh, and uh, this passage of Scripture, I think, uh, I, I don't know how many times I've preached from this story, uh, uh, this account in Scripture before, uh, but I enjoy looking at this account in Scripture as uh, Jesus fed the 5,000. And to me, uh, I, I, I love all the miracles, but this is just amazing to me what Jesus did as he took just the small lunch, just five loaves and two fish, and fed 5,000 people with it. It's amazing to me. It, it baffles my mind. Uh, I don't know that we could all eat with five loaves and two fishes in here tonight. Uh, but uh, I, I, I don't know. I look around, and I, I wonder if, some of, if one of us could eat on that. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, uh, tonight I want to uh, begin reading in verse number 1, and we're, we'll read down through verse number 14. And I pray that the Lord will give us some truths tonight that will be a help to each of us. The Bible says, After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into, the mount, into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Jesus saith, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so that the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the, fishes, of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said, he said unto his, his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that you bless tonight your word. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'd speak to me, speak through me, Lord, as I, as I preach your word. Give me uh, the exact words that you'd have me to say. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight to be drawn closer to you. Uh, give us the truths from your word that we need tonight to help us to be better servants for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There's never been a time, there's never been a need 
for the almighty God of heaven to prove himself to humanity. There's never been a need for that. He is the creator of all things. He has nothing to prove to us. God has and does, however, reveal himself to mankind in many ways. We come to this passage of Scripture, and we come to verse number 6, which will be our text verse, and the Bible says, And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. It's important that we understand that Jesus was not in this passage simply offering evidence of his divinity. Though, he is the only one that could take five loaves and two fish and break them apart and distribute to 5,000 people and feed everybody until they were full. He was not simply uh, in this passage offering evidence of his divinity, although he is the only one that could do it. He was, however, allowing his disciples the privilege of increasing their faith as they spent some time in God's proving ground. Each of us as Christians will go in at times in our life into situations and places of our life that I will refer to for sake of the sermon tonight as God's proving ground. He puts us through tests through circumstances. Some of those times are times, <laughs> to be honest with you, of our own making, it seems, because we uh, reject what God's trying to do in our life, and he allows us to be drawn back to him through those times. But we have times also that when we're serving the Lord, we're on the right path, and it just seems that things start going haywire. I don't know, maybe you've never had a time like that in your life, but I certainly have. I can think back over my life and think of several times, and I've said, what in the world brought this on? And as you're going through it, you cannot seem to figure out why you would have to be going through this. Many times when we get to the end of that period of time in our life, we can look back and say, during that time, and I learned that during that time, and I had some sweet time of prayer during that time. Oh, the whole reason we went through things. But we see some of why God let us go through that proving ground. Tonight, I want to look at four things that we will always find. You want to know if you're in God's proving ground tonight? There's four things that you'll always find when you're in God's proving ground. And I want to show you tonight from, your, from the Word of God some things that I believe will be a help to us in our Christian lives. Because if you have not been through a time like this, maybe you're a brand new Christian, you've not been through a time like this uh, yet in your Christian life, you will. Maybe you've just come through a time like this. Let me tell you that this time's going to come again in your life. If you, if you keep trying to serve the Lord, uh, you're going to have times that God's going to prove you. You're going to go through God's proving ground over and over and over again throughout your Christian life. And tonight, I want to, I want to show us some things that I believe we need to understand when we're, when we're in these times in our life. Look at verse number 5 to begin with. The Bible says, When Jesus then lift up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him. And he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? We skip down to verse number 7. Philip answered him, 
200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. That every one of them may take a little. Now, if you study scripture, you'll find that 200 penny worth, that penny worth, uh, a penny worth was one day's wage in the Bible. They tell us that was one day's wage. 200 penny worth is almost a year's salary. 365 days being in a year, 200, that's a majority of the year. In fact, I did a little math today. You see, you still have to do math when you get out of school. I did a little math today, and I looked up what the average income is in Florida. And then I took that average income, and I divided it by 365, which gave me the daily wage of the average person in Florida. And then I multiplied that by 200 to find out what the equivalent of this money in the Bible is in today's economy, just in money-wise. And 200 penny worth is equivalent today to $43,836. Now, I know to some of you that's chump change. But not to me. That's quite a lot of money. That's a, a large sum of money. And as Jesus looked at Philip, and he said, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? Think of this for a moment. Does anyone know where we could go tonight and buy $43,000 worth of bread? I didn't think so. Walmart, I guarantee you, does not have $43,000 worth of bread tonight. I would doubt if, if all the Walmart in Jacksonville, Florida, had $43,000 worth of bread, because uh, they're always out of stock of things, amen? Uh, the, <laughs> I don't shop at Publix, but, but uh, I know what Walmart is, amen? Uh, but uh, uh, 200, 200 penny worth, that's a, that's a lot of money. And what I'm trying to get us to understand tonight is that when we enter into God's proving ground, there will always, number one, there will always be an unattainable need. There will be something that's there that we cannot figure out on our own. Jesus seemingly asked Philip a question that did not have an answer to it. How are we going to buy bread? When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And Philip took some time to think. The Bible tells us why Jesus asked that question in the verse, verses in between. But Philip answered, Lord, 200 penny worth would not be sufficient to buy enough that all of them may take a little. It seemed impossible. And let me just say, humanly speaking, it was impossible. Think of, the, of where they were. If there was not enough bread in Jacksonville, Florida, to buy $43,000 worth of bread tonight, now if there is, I would be surprised. And if, the, if one of y'all want to do the research after church and come up to me later on and tell me that I was wrong, I'll stand corrected. However, I don't think there's, we, there will be a place to buy that much bread tonight. There certainly was not enough bread in that day, at that time, to buy 200 penny worth at one time. It was impossible. The thing that Jesus was asking of Philip was unattainable. There was no way that he could come up with it. There are times in our life that we have needs that, that we face that are unattainable. Those needs uh, could be a personal need. Maybe it's a personal financial need. 
Maybe it's a, a, a personal need uh, having to do with a relationship in your home or your family. There are needs that are unattainable when it comes to our physical health. There's just nothing that we can do about our health situation. I'll, I'll be honest with you, one of the most helpless feelings in the world as a father and as a husband is having someone in your family that is sick and you can't do anything about it. I thank God for the help that he's, uh, he's given to my family. And I've, I, I thank the Lord that up to this point in our life, we haven't had anything that has been an ongoing thing that, uh, that, that we've had to face, but I know that, uh, that there are those that have to face that. My father fights cancer every day of his life. I know what it's like to have a father that is going through that and to pray for him. You see, we as God's people, there will be things in our life that we simply do not have control over. There is nothing that we can do about it. And we feel helpless at those times. And let me just say, in those times when we feel helpless, there's a great danger there. Because we think that we have to do something about it. And we feel like it all falls on our shoulders, especially as a leader of a home. You feel like, I've got to do, what, what am I going to do about this financial burden? Sometimes there's nothing you can do. Sometimes you're working, you're doing everything that you can, and it just comes up. And there's nothing that you can do about it. We understand at those times, those are times that God can use for a proving ground in our life. Because when you're facing an unattainable need... There's an indication there that you just may be in God's proving ground. You see, God's proving ground is always characterized by a need beyond our ability to meet. Sometimes there's a spiritual need. I don't know about you, and, and, and all I know is about my spiritual life and what I read from the Word of God, but there are times in my spiritual life, I'll just be honest with you tonight, that I have felt away from God, and I didn't know why. There was no sin that I was openly involved in. I just felt like my relationship with the Lord wasn't what it ought to be, and I felt away from the Lord. And I'd go, I would go to my knees in prayer, and I'd say, Lord, I don't like being this way. I, I don't know what it is, but Lord, I don't want to continue this way. Lord, help me to get my heart right with you. Show me what I need from Scripture. You know, there's times in our life that there's a spiritual need we just can't fix. There have been times I've been going down the road and I've felt that way. Once again, maybe I'm just telling you all what a bad Christian I am, but I would be driving down the road and I said, Lord, I don't want to feel this way anymore. So I would try to turn on the Bible and let the Bible be read to me. And you know what? It didn't seem to help. I'd turn on some gospel music. Well, music, you know, music is an important thing in Christian lives. It affects our spirit. So I'd turn on some gospel music, some hymns, some what, whatever, and I would turn it on, and, and it didn't seem to help. And I would go to the Lord and say, Lord, I've got to have you. I've got to have you. I don't want, it, I don't want to continue this way. There was nothing that I personally could do about it. There's times when our loved ones spiritually are having a battle. And there's nothing that we can do about it. You know what I found out a long time ago? I can't make anybody do anything. 
I cannot make anybody do anything. Now, I can pray, and I can wish, and I can warn, but I can't make anyone do anything. Every single individual is going to do what they're going to do. It's not my responsibility as a parent to make my children turn out right for God. It's my responsibility to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and train them and teach them in the way that they should go. That's my job. But I can't make them turn out right. I can't make my family members stay true to God's word. I can't make my loved ones stay where they're supposed to be. And sometimes we get in places in our life where our loved ones are not where they ought to be with the Lord, and it's a burden on us, but there's nothing that we can do about it. It seems. And so there's this unattainable need that we have in our lives. God uses those times in our life as a proving ground. The second thing I see when you enter in God's proving ground, there'll always you'll always find this to be true. That although there is an unattainable need, you'll find that God already has a plan. That need does not diminish. It is unattainable for us. But we find when we're in God's proving ground that God has a plan. The Bible says in verse number 6, And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Before Jesus ever looked at Philip and said, Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Jesus knew that there was a lad there. That's a whole other sermon in and of itself. He knew that there was a lad there. He knew that that lad had a lunchbox that had five loaves and two fish in it. Or a lunch bag, whatever they carried back then. I don't think they had a transformer lunchbox, by the way, guys. I'm sorry. But he knew that that lad was there. He knew that lad had five loaves and two fish. And he knew that he was going to take that five loaves and two fish and he was going to provide for over 5,000 people. The Bible tells us that there were five thousand men there that's not including the women and children there well may have been 10 to 15,000 people there that day or more I don't know but all I know is that God provided for everyone that was there God had a plan the Bible tells us that Jesus he himself knew what he was going to do in verse number 6, think about this for a moment. The eternal God of heaven knows what you need. He knows the unattainable need that you have in your life. That thing that you're facing tonight, that thing that you will face in the future, there's a God in heaven who knows about it. It does not take him by surprise. Pastor made the statement uh, not long ago, has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God? Has it ever occurred to us that there's nothing that has ever taken God by surprise? 
We serve the omniscient God of heaven who knows everything that I think, knows everything that you think. He knows every circumstances we've ever faced in the past. He knows every circumstance we're facing tonight. He knows every circumstance we'll face in the future. And our God has a plan when it comes to the unattainable needs in our life. Matthew chapter number 6. I love the book of Matthew, and especially chapter number 6. But in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 20, or 32 rather, the Bible is talking about the needs that we as mankind have that we worry over. And Jesus in the latter part of that verse of scripture says, your father knoweth you have needs of these things. But then he goes on to say, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm glad that there's a God in heaven who knows what we have need of. You will never face a need that takes God by surprise. Now, the Bible does tell us that we don't have the things that we need because we don't ask. We have not because we ask not, the Bible tells us. We need to understand that there's a God in heaven who knows, but he wants to hear from us. That problem, that uh, unattainable uh, need that you may be facing tonight, God knows about. But have you spoken to him about it? I've been very convicted in my own life many times when needs come about. Because my reaction is not the reaction it should be many times. My reaction is, what am I going to do about this? When I face a need. That's my initial reaction. Many times throughout my life. That's what it has been. But that should not be the initial reaction. Of a child of God. The initial reaction of a child of God. When we face an unattainable need. Is to hit our knees. And say God I have a need. That I cannot fulfill. There's nothing that I can do about it. I've got to have you. In this situation. Tonight. We need to understand that that unattainable need, there's a God in heaven who has a plan. Number three, I'll say this. We're moving quickly, and I don't know that I'll beat Brother Collingsworth's time tonight, but we're moving quicker than I did Sunday morning anyway. Number three, God wants what we have. When we're in God's proving ground, God wants what we have. That's all he wants. He, he, does not, he does not want what someone else has. He wants what I have. When, you're, when I'm in God's proving ground, he's not wanting somebody outside of God's proving ground to solve the problem. He's wanting me to give what I have. And when you're in God's proving ground and you're facing an unattainable need, you understand that God has a plan, but God wants what you have. In verse number 8, the Bible says, One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? You see, Andrew found this lad. This lad had a lunch. I don't know how the conversation went. But 
that lad agreed to give his lunch to the Lord. I kind of I think that that lad got to follow his lunch up to the Lord. Because when you give what you have to the Lord, you know what happens? You get closer to him. These disciples did not have what it took, but there was a lad there that had five barley loaves and two small fish. They brought it, he, maybe he brought it to the disciples. Maybe he heard Jesus say, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? He heard what Philip had to say. And he said, I don't have much, but I'll give it to Jesus. I don't know how it happened. I don't know if Andrew went after him. We know that Andrew was a soul winner. Because he's the one that went and found Simon Peter and brought him to Jesus initially. Now we find Andrew is bringing this lad to the Lord. Maybe he just went out to the crowd and says, hey, anybody got any food here? The Lord needs some. I don't know how it happened. But all I know is that that five loaves and two fish came to the disciples. Because in the book of Luke, we find that the lad's not even mentioned. We find that Jesus asked the disciples, well, how much do you have? We just have five loaves and two fish. He said, make everybody sit down, give them to me. And they gave what they had to the Lord. See, our problem is many times, we don't think God's doing what he ought to do with what we have. Uh, why don't we leave the miracle up to the Lord and just give him what we have? Sometimes we think what we have is insignificant. Well, what could the Lord ever do with my five loaves and two fish? There's 5,000 plus people here that need to be fed. This is, it's ridiculous to even think that I would need to give this to him because it's not going to do anything. It's a drop in the bucket. Why should I serve in this capacity? I mean, I know I have a talent that God's given me, but there's other people that are more talented than I. I'm not preaching at you. I'm just telling you how I felt in the past. I figured if I felt that way, maybe somebody else did. There's many more people that can do that better than I can. Lord doesn't need what I have. That God has a proving ground for us. And that proving ground is for me specifically. And God doesn't want what somebody outside the proving ground wants. He wants what I have that is inside the proving ground. You see, God could have spoken the word because Jesus is the God of heaven, the creator of all things. He could have spoken the word and enough food would have appeared in front of everyone and they could have eaten to the full. You understand that God could get the gospel to a lost and a dying world any way he wants to? I mean, he, he could do it any way he wanted to. But God has chosen to use our involvement. And let me just say, God wants your involvement in the miracle he wants to do in your life. So don't just sit there and sulk. 
that I have five loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many? Take that five loaves and two fish and bring it to Jesus and say, but what are they among so many? You see, there's two different ways to look at that. We look at, well, it's so insignificant, it, 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 I'm just going to hold on to it, it's not going to do any good. Because it's, it's worthless. My talent doesn't measure up to somebody else's. I can never do anything for God because of this reason or that reason, this limitation or that limitation. Or, there's a Lord, I'll give you what I have. I know it's not enough, but it's yours. But what are they among so many? You see, the same words, two different meanings. You can sit and sulk because you don't think you have enough, or you can give what you have to God understanding it's not enough and allow him to use you for his honor and glory in the miracle that he wants to do. You see, in God's proving ground, there's an unattainable need. There's a God who has a plan. And God wants what we have in God's proving ground. Lastly, I want to say in God's proving ground, we find that God's resources are unlimited. God's resources are unlimited. The Bible says in verse 11 and 12, And and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise the fish as much as they would. When they were filled... When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments which remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Jesus didn't just provide for the people that were there. He provided over and above what they needed. I have found out in my Christian life that if I will just bring what I have to the Lord, understanding it's not enough, that God makes it more than enough. That has been evidenced through our church over and over and over again. In my own personal life, I've seen the Lord work miracles that I had no idea that he was about to work. I've had... We've had needs. I, I remember when I was in Alabama, we were getting ready to build a building. Now, you have to understand, we didn't have a whole lot of people, but we were filling up pretty good our auditorium, and we had two little six-foot by 12-foot restroom facilities that had not been updated since 1972 just little shotgun restrooms, and they were in the very back of the auditorium. And so I was praying, Lord, what do you want us to do? We had remodeled the auditorium and everything already. Lord, what do you want us to do? And so I was praying, and I felt like the Lord wanted us to build a building on the front of the auditorium, connect it to it. It's a 40 by 60 structure, still structure. And uh, we were in Alabama, so, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of problem with permitting to make everybody upset. I paid a, whole, a total of 
$350 for all the permits I needed to do that building. It was great. Then they had this thing that you can just sign. It's a self-work affidavit, and I was able to do all the work on the interior of it. So it was, it was great. But that's not the way it is in Jacksonville. But when we started that building pro- project, we, had, we were running about 75 people in church, and about 35 of them were tithers. Very meager finances. I wasn't complaining. The Lord was pr- providing. But I came to the church and said, all right, church, <laughs> we're going to build a building. And you know what year that was? 2020. COVID year. You know when the Lord told me to build a building? We were having services, and I actually, actually preached this outline when I was on a porch on a deck outside preaching to people sitting in their cars. For three months we did that. While we were out of the auditorium, the air conditioner went out. We got back in the auditorium in May in Alabama, and it was getting hot. It was going to cost us about ten grand to put a new unit in. So I went to the church and said, all right, church, we can raise ten grand, put a new air conditioning unit in. Or we can raise ten grand, put a down payment on a loan, and build the building and get everything that, that I believe the Lord wants us to have. Now, nobody had ten grand. So I prayed. I said, all right, Lord, I know this is ridiculous, but I'm going to go tell them. So we did it. You know what the Lord did? I had a visitor coming to church. She visited a month and a half, Brother Cruz. That's as long as she stayed with us. But I made that announcement. She came to my office on Monday. She dropped $10,000 on my desk. And then before she left, you know what she did? She dropped another $8,000 on my desk. She said, Brother Montgomery, why didn't you hold on to her? Believe me, I tried. (laughs) But what am I saying? I didn't know how God was going to do it. But God did. And God provided. And that's not the only time God provided. Over and over again, when we started the camp, over $100,000 worth of materials the Lord gave to us. You think God can do that again? Oh, I know he can. Because his resources are unlimited. You see, we just need to trust God and keep going forward. You see, it's not easy to do that. But nobody said it was going to be easy. We just need to learn to trust the Lord and to give him what we have and understand that his resources are unlimited. God can and does take what we have and make it enough. You see, the proving ground tonight is not for God to prove himself to you. So many times we as Christians... We treat God that way. In fact, in John chapter number 6, 
Jesus was talking to the religious crowd. In verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. And they said, therefore, unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Now, this is the same crowd that were following him because he was doing miracles and eating the food and all. What sign showest thou? I mean, have you not been hanging around? Some of us as Christians, we go to God. What sign are you going to show me that I need to keep doing what's right? Making God prove himself to us. Let me just tell you, you go to God in arrogance, he's not going to prove himself to you. You're going to face the judgment of God. We want God to prove himself to us. No, that's not what God's proving ground is for. He's not proving himself to us. See, the proving ground is not to you. It's for you. It's for you. The Bible says, then those men in verse number 14, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did. And let me just say, nobody knows the miracle that God does when you bring your lunch to him better than you know it. Because you know what you gave to him. And you know that what came out of that wasn't what you gave him. It was a whole lot more than you gave him. The Bible says when they saw the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. They said, this is the Messiah. This is the one that was prophesied. What happened? Their faith increased. I believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who died on the cross for my sin, rose again the third day, and shed his blood for me so that I could have eternal life in heaven when I received him at 16 years old. But you know what? He's revealed himself over and over again to me. And you know what I've said? Of a truth. This is the King of kings. Of a truth. This is the Lord of lords. Of a truth. This, he is who he said he was. And what's happened? My faith has increased. You know what I'm talking about. As we give ourselves to the Lord, we give the Lord what we have. The Lord takes what we have. He multiplies it. He uses it for his honor and glory. And we are able to say of a truth, he is the God of heaven. And our faith increases. See, that proving ground is not to prove himself to you. But it's, it's for you to increase your faith. Their walk was strengthened. They were closer to the Lord. Why? Because they faced an unattainable need. And realized that God had a plan. He wants what I have. And his resources are unlimited. So I'll just give him what I have. Tonight, are you in God's proving ground? If you're not, you'll face it. Why don't you look at what God has in front of you? Say, Lord, thank you for allowing me to be proved in your proving ground. Lord, I pray that you bless tonight your word. Holy Spirit of God, I pray.